We'll be earwigging on a revolutionary email exchange in John Finnamore's souvenir programme in a moment. We also hear about the only detectives who've not had their own TV show yet. First, though, a preview of some radio detection. New to BBC Radio 4, a detective series set in Cuba. Hello, Conde, can you hear me? Yes, Chief. On Thursday, a chief executive in the Ministry of Industry went missing. His wife's not seen him, the whole country's alerted, no one can find him. Leonardo Padura's The Havana Quartet. Part of me really wants Raphael to disappear so I can be myself again. That scares me. Do you have it in you to kill your husband? The Havana Quartet starts on Saturday at 2.30 and the author talks to Mark Lawson in Foreign Bodies next Monday at 1.45. Now here's John Finnamore and his souvenir programme, which really does take the biscuit. This is John Finnamore's souvenir programme. Okay, how about a Navy detective? Do they have that? Like, you know, solving crimes on ships? Been done. Seriously? In America. Okay, okay, uh, how about an island detective? Bergerac. No, no, like a Caribbean island. Death in paradise. Uh, You know, I just don't think there's any kind of detective that's not been done. Oh, I don't know. There might be one. Store detective to the biscuit aisle. <laughs> the store detective to the biscuit aisle. Oh, stone the crows, not the biscuit aisle. I'm supposed to be on a diet. That's enough of your comic relief, snowman. Sounds like we've got a case. I'm store detective Casterbridge. This is psychic store detective snowman. You called for me? This had better be good. It certainly is good, store detective. I'm a stock taker in this supermarket. I've just stock taken these Jaffa cakes. Uh, what of it? I'm coming to that. According to my records, there should be 24 boxes of Jaffa cakes, and that's just what there aren't. There are 23. And you think someone's taken the 24th? I don't think it's store detective. I know it. Well, maybe you're just not quite the hotshot stock taker you think you are, and you did your sums all wrong. <laughs> I resent that, and besides... How do you explain these? Crumbs, sir. (laughs) Snowman, are you exclaiming crumbs or pointing out crumbs? Both, sir. Crumbs, sir. Crumbs. Well, it certainly looks like someone took those Jaffa cakes. But how do I know that someone wasn't you, stock taker guy? Are you accusing me, store detective? I did just do that, yes. Well, I'm afraid you're barking up quite the wrong tree there, store detective. I don't even like Jaffa cakes. Ask anyone. I prefer hobnobs, personally. <laughs> you know the damnedest thing? I believe you. <laughs> well, Snowman, looks like we've got a case of shoplifting on our hands. Crumbs, sir. Are you pointing out more crumbs? No, sir, just the explanation this time. Right. Crime Drama is sponsored by Mulligan's Ice Lollies. It's a murder how nice they are. The committee is gathered, sir. Encrypted cable from HMS Dauntless estimates we have 14 minutes in hand. Thank you, Morrison. Seal the bunker. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for convening at such short notice. 
I need hardly state that this briefing is of the utmost sensitivity and confidentiality, and minutes will not be taken. You will all have heard rumors of a breach of Protocol 9 somewhere in or near the Arctic Circle. I can confirm that those rumors are true. Let me hand over now to Professor Chilliard, who can give you a rundown on the situation. Thank you, Minister. Ladies and gentlemen, not only has Protocol 9 been breached, but in at least three separate penetration zones. And whilst two of these are code amber, one is code black. Twelve minutes, sir. Thank you. I, uh, I should, perhaps, allow Admiral Blake to explain the ramifications of that. Yes, excellent. And perhaps, if I might suggest, Admiral, quite briskly. <laughs> well... I'm afraid it's just about as bad as it can be. (laughs) The ramifications are quite simply this. Every vessel at every level currently working in the North Sea... Yes, what about them? ...must be regarded as, as compromised. I see. Well then. And not only that, right, right. but also a potential enemy enemy risk. Enemy risk. 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 Quite so. Thank you. Eight minutes, sir. Uh, yes. Um, then, Sir Peter, as Chief of the Defence Staff, what, in your view, is our most urgent course of action? And if I can, without offence, stress the word urgent. We have but one course open to us. Yes, and, and what is it, in your opinion? It is... Yes? Terrible. Right. <laughs> but it is... Don't say necessary. Necessary. Six minutes. Yes, if I could just encourage everyone on committee, I do realise a situation of this seriousness requires a certain amount of gravitas, but can I also respectfully suggest that time is not entirely on our side? Very well, then. (laughs) What we must do, ladies and... Seriously, you can skip the ladies and gentlemen. Without... Delay, yes. Delay. Three minutes. Is... If... I can just quickly interject. (laughs) Of course, Admiral, the floor is yours. I think we all know the course uh, Peter is suggesting. Yes. No, we don't all. No, let him say it. He's so nearly said it. Two minutes. But... Is it this button? Is it pressing this button? My dear fellow, pressing that button... Yes, yes. ...is the only... Possible solution. ...thing... ...that would make things worse. ...that would... Make things better. ...make... One minute! Right, I'm pressing it, I'm pressing it now! No difference. (laughs) At all. Thirty seconds! Whereas... The course, Sir Peter, is, with regret, suggesting, is, and do stop me if Uh. I'm wrong. (laughs) Ten 
Nine. That we should. Eight. Quite simply. Seven. If we six, wish to have five, any four, hope of survival. Three, two. At one. All. Zero. String this meeting out at all costs so that we can all remain safely in this lead-lined bunker when it all kicks off. Quite right, Professor. Quite right. Rather cold-blooded, but the only practical solution. Don't you agree, Admiral? Oh, absolutely, Sir Peter. Absolutely. Oh, you rotten eggs. <laughs> And now we come to the centrepiece of the exhibition. Can anyone tell me what this object is? No? You can't see it at the back. It's roughly cuboid, about a foot square, beautifully finished with brushed aluminium and maple wood. And under the glass lid are four round places for putting something, each about the size of a jam jar lid. And when I press this switch, those receptacles begin to rock gently to and fro. Well, to explain what this is, and why it's so significant to the museum, I must first tell you a bit about watches. When watches were first made, they were very expensive, a status symbol for the rich, and they ran on elaborate clockwork, a system of tiny, finely balanced weights, cogs and springs, and had to be wound up by hand every day. As time went on, it became possible to make watches cheaply as well, and these often ran on small batteries. But the intricate mechanical ones became a status symbol because of the craft required to make them. Then, a watchmaker discovered a way to use the natural movements of the wearer's arm to keep the mechanical ones charged, without needing either manual winding or batteries. These became the most highly prized and expensive of all. But some very, very rich people might have two such watches, or even more. And then, the ones that weren't being worn would begin to lose their charge. And so, the luxury watch companies began to make and sell these objects to their richest clients. Machines in which the buyer could store up to four of his spare, luxury, batteryless watches, <laughs> which would rock them ceaselessly to and fro to simulate the movements of the arm and keep them charged. And it ran, of course, off the mains. <laughs> and that is why this humble object forms the centrepiece of our Museum of Human Folly, <laughs> where it stands as a constant lesson and a warning to us the cockroach people who emerged from the ruins of their doomed civilization, <laughs> never to be as bloody silly as them. Well, store detective Casterbridge, I've listened to your story and I've done you the courtesy of hearing you out, which is the same thing. <laughs> but frankly, I don't see what your beef is. My beef, ma'am, is a packet of Jaffa cakes unaccounted for. So? It's probably a simple stock-taking error. Maybe. But I've got a feeling in my bones, ma'am, and another feeling in my water. And both of those feelings are telling me this is a case of shoplifters. God damn it, Casterbridge, not again! You see shoplifters everywhere! (laughs) And have I ever let you down? Okay, so you've been lucky a few times. With respect, ma'am, it's not luck. It's a nose for crime. Specifically, the crime of shoplifting. God damn it, Castlebridge! Can't you just let sleeping dogs lie without upsetting the apple cart by rocking the boat? I'm sorry, ma'am, but what it says on my badge is store detective, and I aim to live up to that. You made that badge yourself. Even so, I know I'm right, ma'am. And if my hunch doesn't pay off, you can have that badge on your desk and my gun with it. Yeah, you definitely shouldn't have a gun, I'm going (laughs) to... 
All right, against my better judgment, you've got 24 hours for some reason. Well, Snowman, look alive. It took some doing, but the boss of the supermarket's given us the go-ahead. Are you ready to catch some shoplifters? You know it, sir. Then I give you fair warning. The plan I have in mind may not be strictly legal. Are you in? What's the plan, sir? We wait by the biscuit aisle and catch them in the act. I think that is legal, sir. (laughs) Well, so much the better, then. Crime Drama is sponsored by Mulligan's Ice Lollies. Stabbingly delicious. Now, his dates I have as 1924 to 2014. Is that correct? That's right, yes. And um, is it possible to put his age as well? By all means, yes. I'm so proud of getting to 90. Yes, of course. So perhaps uh, died 2014 at the age of 90. Yes, lovely. He'd he'd like that. I'm I'm glad. Now, as for the stone, I believe you wanted the grey granite. Uh, I don't know. Now I'm here, I think maybe the black is better. Is is that possible? Yes, uh, of course, by all means. But it will be, uh, let me see, £600 more. Right. (laughs) But you you don't mind that, do you? Uh, No, it's it's entirely up to you. I think we'll have the black then. Right. Uh, Sorry, though... Why did you think I would mind? Well, I don't want to leave you out of pocket. (laughs) Yes. Um, I think you may have misheard me. The black granite will actually cost you 600 more. Cost me? (laughs) Yes. Well, you're not proposing to charge me, surely? (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm sorry. Why? Well, I would have thought under the circumstances you would waive your fee. (laughs) Sorry, what are the circumstances? My grandfather has died. (laughs) Yes. And, and, and I'm terribly sorry for your loss. Oh, thank you. Well, then. But, but, of, but of course, most of my clients have suffered family bereavement. <laughs> yes. And you don't charge them, do you? Yes, I do. <laughs> you charge them. They come here grieving and bereaved, and you charge them for a headstone. You're making it sound much worse than it is. Am I? <laughs> Answer me this. Are you trying to profit from my grandfather's death? Well, I don't think of it like that. Well, I'm sure you don't, but isn't that exactly what you're doing? I suppose technically... You're a monster! I really don't think I am. I mean, what, what am I supposed to live on? Well, I know what you're not supposed to live on. You're not supposed to live on the proceeds of my grief like some kind of vampire. I don't think that's what vampires do. I don't care! <laughs> Look, sir... What, what about everyone else you must have dealt with recently? The, the undertakers, the florist, even the crematorium. Surely they all charged you. They better bloody well not have done. <laughs> well, I, I, I think you'll find they did, sir. Or, or they will. How, how can I explain this? Um, are you married? Uh, yes. Well, uh, you remember how when you were planning your wedding, you had to just pretty much hold your wallet open and let anyone who asked take whatever they wanted? <laughs> yes. Well, I'm afraid it's the same when someone dies. (laughs) But I chose to get married. I didn't choose to get bereaved. I I know, sir. Still, that's the one tiny silver lining. This time, you don't have to pretend you don't mind. (laughs) Go on, Gum, sir. I thought you were comically on a diet, Snowman. I am, sir, but I keep comically breaking it. That's my thing this week. Just don't understand it. 
If I know shoplifters, and I bloody do, they can never resist returning to the scene of a successful shoplift. And yet, we've been on this stakeout for upwards of 15 minutes now, and nothing to show for it. Well, you, you did get the chance to drop all those dark hints to me about your abusive father. Yes, but that whole bit was really tedious, wasn't it? I'm afraid it was, rather, sir, yes. Well, then. Oh, well, you know what they say, sir. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Why did you say that? Just thought I would. It's got no relevance to anything we've been saying. I suppose not, sir, but sometimes... That's the way the cookie crumbles. The cookie crumbles, of course. What, what is it, sir? I've been such a fool. No, I think that's me, sir. A damned fool from start to finish. No, that's definitely me. Look, it says here on the casting breakdown, <laughs> lovable fool this week on a diet. Come on, snowman. We've got a denouement today, new. Crime Drama is sponsored by Mulligan's Ice Lollies. Frozen stiff with not rigor mortis, but scrumptiousness. Okay, guys, you're all very welcome, be you gazelle or zebra, or I see we've even got a couple of giraffes in. Welcome, welcome. Let me introduce myself. My name's Bethan, and this is my colleague, Ashley. Hi, hi. So we're here to talk to you today about camouflage. And let me say, let me say straight away, I know what you're thinking. Why, in God's name, would we take advice in how not to be seen from a couple of lionesses? Yeah. <laughs> it's a fair question, but let me turn it around. In a way, who better to take advice from? Guys, we're the ones you're hiding from, OK? In a funny kind of way, we're your target audience. Yep, yep. And, and most of all, we're the ones who see the mistakes you're making day after day after day. And we're going to start... With the zebras. Yeah, okay, guys, let's start with the good news. The stripes, great. But, guys, you have to think colours, yeah? This is the Serengeti. Where exactly are all the black and white things you're hoping to get confused with? Precisely. Right? Look at the other guys who've gone with black and white. Right? Penguins, they live in the Antarctic. There's snow, there's, I, I don't know, black rocks. Point is, it works. Right, also, pandas. Look, well, they're bears. They can wear what they like. <laughs> but here in the savannah, look, us lions aren't even in camo, and even we're better hidden than you are. Yeah, which brings us to giraffes. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, when I said earlier I could see we had a few of you in, I meant that very, very literally. <laughs> Face facts, guys, you're gigantic. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of makes the camouflage just a bit redundant. Oh, you've got spots. Where are you? Oh, I know. You're the 20-foot tall cow thing on still. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly... Antelopes, gazelles, impalas, all of you guys will cut to the chase, literally. <laughs> yeah. It's the tails. It really is, guys. It's the white tails. Basically, you're just giving us something to chase, so lose them. Now, uh, that's about it, really, except, um, I suppose, 
uh, if Bethan and I had one last piece of advice for you, it would probably have to be always think twice when invited into a seminar room by a couple of lions. Yeah, sorry about this. The doors are locked. Hate to do this to you. But come on, you're kind of your own worst enemy. Well, second worst. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, Casterbridge, I've closed the supermarket for the rest of the day, as you asked. Off you go. You know, all the way along there's been something not quite right about this case. Something nagging away at me. And it took Snowman here to make me see it. That's the way the cookie crumbles, he said. Clumsily and for no obvious reason. (laughs) But that's just it. The crumbs at the scene of the crime. Well, what about them? Simply this, ma'am. That's not the way the cookie crumbles. Sir, can you please, for God's sake, just tell us what you actually mean? What I mean is, you don't get crumbs off of Jaffa cakes. (laughs) Even when you bite them, the spongy bit just sticks to the orangey bit. Try it for yourself. My God, man, you're right. So if there were crumbs, then they were put there for us to find. Put there by someone who wanted us to believe that there'd been a shoplifting in order to cover up their own incompetence as a stock-taker! What? You can't read me. Surely, store detective. I most certainly do. All right, I admit it. It's my new calculator. The key's got all sticky and the six looks like a two. I'm under a lot of pressure at home. My wife is a cyborg and my dog is divorcing me. (laughs) I forgot to carry the one, goddammit. I forgot to carry the one. And so you decided to fake a shoplifting. And just to make it look good, you scattered some crumbs from your own hobnobs. I prefer hobnobs, personally. Why are you saying that again? I was just confirming what you said. Oh, right. Right, so, hang on. When I said an hour and 50 minutes ago that it was probably just a simple stock-taking error, I was right. In a way, Mum. In a way. In a... Because that is precisely what happened, we. <laughs> you needn't worry, Mum. If you want the credit, I won't stop you taking it. <laughs> well then, Snowman... Isn't it about time you wrapped up your comic subplot? What was that, boss? Sorry, I was busy eating up these hobnob crumbs. Oh, snowman! (laughs) Crime drama is sponsored by Mulligan's Ice Lollies. They're not poisoned. Subject, revolution. Hi, guys. Comrade Lennon here. Just a quick reminder that it's revolution time again, the 25th of next month. So uh, you should all have this information already. But just to recap, we're meeting at 9.45 by the battleship Aurora in Petrograd, then going on to the Winter Palace later. Bring banners, but no guns, and 20 rubles for the kitty. Uh, Look forward to seeing you all there, Vlad. Gregory Zinoviev is out of office until Monday. Re-revolution, that's great, comrade. Really looking forward to it. Got a couple of work issues early on, so I might have to skip the Aurora part and swing by to meet you at the Winter Palace. Hope that's okay. Mikhail, um, no, sorry, that's not okay. We all have to do it together. It's a show of strength and solidarity, plus we confirmed the numbers weeks ago. Gregory Zinoviev is out of office until Monday. (laughs) 
Hi guys, uh, not to worry, as it happens, I've got an early one the next morning, so probably going to drop out before the Winter Palace, so Mick and I can tag team it. All best, Alexei. So Mick and I can tag team it? Ooh, uh, didn't know it was going to be that kind of a night. <laughs> Trotsky, don't. <laughs> Alexei, Mikhail, we really do need everyone there for the whole thing, as arranged. Gregory Zinoviev is out of office until Monday. Hi, Comrade Lennon, just to clarify, are you sure you mean next month, October? Only I had it down as November. Cheers, Pavel. No, Pavel, as I said in the original email, it's the 25th of October. It is November in the Gregorian calendar, but that doesn't really need to concern us because we, of course, all use the Julian calendar. Gregory Zinoviev is out of office until <laughs> Julian calendar? Sounds like a hairdresser. Whoops! <laughs> Oh, great. Well, if it's November the 25th, I can come for the whole thing. No hassles. Sorry, can I clarify? Is it November or October? And do we need to bring anything, Lev? Trotsky, seriously, that's not appropriate. Mikhail and Lev, it's October. October the 25th. And yes, you need to bring banners and 20 rubles. Grigory Zinoviev is out of office this <laughs> And as Comrade Lennon forgot to say, guns, obviously. Forget your own head next, Vlad. Smiley face. <laughs> Guys, I don't actually have a banner. Will one be provided, or what? Yeah, and I don't have a gun, and actually I'm not massively keen on this being an armed uprising. But look, I don't want to put any noses out of joint, so maybe best if I just bow out gracefully at this stage. Best of luck, though, guys. Have a great one. Pavel, I did not forget to say guns. We're not bringing guns. This is a peaceful uprising, as agreed in committee, so there's no need for you to flounce off, Mikhail. Grigory Zinoviev is asked for Flouncing, actually, comrade. And for someone who's always coming down so hard on Trotsky, I'm not sure that's very appropriate language. Coming down hard on me? Uh, I hope not. <laughs> OK, guys, can I just say, there's obviously a bit of confusion here about the month and who's coming and are we bringing banners or guns. Can I just suggest we put it off a few months till we've got ourselves a bit better organised? Mikhail, I apologise. Of course you weren't flouncing. Trotsky, please don't. Lev, thanks for your input, really valuable, but there is no confusion, the plans have been in place for weeks. Gregory's enough, the episode's on Monday. Hi guys, actually, you know, I kind of agree with Lev. Let's put a pin in this for now until we've got ourselves sorted out. After all, we want to avoid the kind of chaos we had at Tsar Nikolai's leaving, do. Best wishes. <laughs> Gregory Zinoviev. Gregory, I thought you were out of the office. Oh, right, no, I just put that on sometimes so I can get some work done. Oh, talking of XR Nikolai, I'm having coffee with him on Wednesday. Shall I invite him along to the do? No, Pavel, that would be massively awkward. Gregory Zinoviev is out of office until Monday. Oh, well, I've emailed him now, but I can cancel if you really think it would be a problem. Yes, it would. Gregory Zinoviev is out of office on Monday. Oh, OK, well, look, can you email him to explain why? I don't really know the history here. I don't want to tread on any toes. Pavel, you do know the history. You were part of the history. And, Gregory, will you please take your out-of-office off? Gregory Zinoviev <laughs> Seriously, Gregory, take it off. Seriously, Gregory, take it off. Oh, get a room, you guys. Shut up, Trotsky! <laughs> 
And that's as far as we've run the simulation. But does that answer your question, madam? Uh, yes. I, I mean, it was more of an offhand comment than a serious question, but, but thank you, yes. What was your question? How did anyone ever organise anything before email? <laughs> Since you will ask me for a tale of time travel, you will find I have already told you one. <laughs> Good night. John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme was written and performed by John Finnamore with Margaret Cabon-Smith, Simon Kane, Laurie Lewin and Carrie Quinlan. The producer was Ed Morrish. John Finnamore's Souvenir Programme is sponsored by Mulligan's Ice Lollies. They taste funny in a good way. And John will be back for one last time this series at the same time next week. And an old friend returns on Monday. What do you need for a radio panel game? A charming host? Quick wordplay? Or just lots of clever games? Well, the next round is the Meat Eaters Songbook. Chat up, turndowns. The Hairy Persons Film Club. <laughs> this round is all about the ancient art of communication. In ancient Egypt, they wrote unintelligible squiggles on walls and worshipped cats. Oh no, hang on, that's Facebook. <laughs> I'm sorry I haven't a clue. The Antidote to Panel Games returns this Monday evening at 6.30 and then on the BBC Radio 4 website. After the news, Ed will be giving Tony a hand in the arches, then it's front row. Tonight, the celebrated American writer Richard Ford discusses his new novel, Let Me Be Frank With You. And Queen Forever is a new album out this week. It's produced by William Orbit, who describes creating a track using previously unheard vocals by Michael Jackson, as well as a new mix of an unreleased Queen song. All in front row with Tom Sutcliffe in 15 minutes here on BBC Radio 4.